Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a Shabbat sermon by Rabbi Cantor Hilary Chorney. It's 2015. Back in 2015, one of the provosts of Northwestern University was standing out on the quad just a few weeks into the school year, and a student came up to him and said, gosh, I just need to tell you how meaningful it was to participate in the march through the arch. There's an arch on campus, and the students parade through it as they come in, and they'll leave through it as they graduate. The student says to the provost, I feel like I am part of a tradition passed down through the ages. This is like a ritual for him. And the student walks away smiling. The provost, though, thinks to himself that maybe he should tell the truth, which is that that tradition of marching through the arch goes all the way back to 2007, which, of course, the student doesn't know. One of the things that I love studying most about ritual is the origin of any individual ritual. We have inherited rituals, we have innovated rituals, and we have invented rituals. Even the very prayers that make their way into our Sidor, many of them originated in other places in the Jewish canon. So I wanted to investigate on this Shabbat of Slichot this evening for us Ashkenazim who start now. And I wanted to look into this particular psalm for the season, the psalm number 27. If you want to look at the psalm while I speak about it briefly, you can turn to page 58 in your Sidor. And I want to tell you the provenance, the inheritance of this particular psalm and how it made its way into our tradition. At a certain point, Psalm 27 was just the 27th psalm in a series of 150 psalms, a part of our greater canon, part of the chetuvim, the writings that we have in our tradition that go beyond the Torah and beyond the stuff of Haftarah. But it was selected at a certain point, this particular psalm, this psalm that begins technically with Lidavid Adonai Ori Vishi. But when I looked to where this psalm came in to our liturgical tradition, I found out that the Baal Shem Tov, a Hasidic master, he could only trace this particular psalm being in our liturgy, specifically said and recited at the end of services during Elul, or sometimes at the beginning, like this morning. This particular psalm only goes back to the 1700s. He traces it back to two places. One of those places is in this particularly um, interesting sidur that gets inherited by the rabbis in the Baal Shem Tov, the Besh era. It's a late 17th century Kabbalist named Rabbi Eliyahu Baal Shem, who was a student of the Maharal. And then the first written documentation of this particular practice, meaning an instruction, like a calendar. You should say this psalm during this particular season. Well, that didn't even show up until 1732 in the Chemdas Yamin. And 
That particular tradition, it turns out, is questionable because the particular rabbi who put together that collection, that Femdas Yamim, was probably rightfully accused of being a Sabbatean, following a false messiah. So there were questions for years, but really this is only a few centuries old in our tradition, which is why I was sure that I would be able to find out the meaning behind why this was set in our liturgy. After all, I can't go back and ask a seventh century or a third century rabbi if they haven't written it, if we haven't written it in our codes. But surely, from a couple centuries ago, there must be a clear meaning as to why it's in our tradition. Except that there's not. It just is there. By the 18th century, it's present, which means that by the 19th century, already, the Hasidim, the ones of best generation and beyond, asked the question, why are we doing this psalm during this season anyway? Now, my favorite explanation is always the simplest explanation, which is that Lulei at the, um, at, as a line, as a figure inside of our psalm, is simply a little backwards. It's supposed to be a hint to us that we are doing our uh, Elul tshuva, the things that the psalm is pleading with us to do during the season of Elul. It's a hint to us we should say it throughout the season. But there's another explanation that really fits with today, because today we're celebrating a bar mitzvah. And in this psalm, God's name is mentioned 13 times. Why is 13 a significant number? Well, I think Jonah could probably tell us that today, and Marcy's been through it too, and plenty of us who have celebrated B'nai Mitzvah at this age of coming to responsibility of the tradition, responsibility for our tradition. But there's another reason too. And that is the confluence of this number across also other pieces of liturgy that we lifted right out of the Torah. In particular, relevant to this season and especially relevant to tonight are the 13 attributes of God. We say that God is the God, the El, Rahum the Chanun, you feel like the high holidays already? I did when I was warming up for Slichot this week. So these 13 attributes that we sing, that we chant, that we insert in our Slichot liturgy for this season, these two are auspicious, says our tradition. This is a an inheritance, this reasoning behind Psalm 27 being a part of our liturgy in this season, is both present in the written works of the Kedushas Levi, who is part of that Hasidic world, and he draws upon his own teacher who wrote Tomer Devorah. All through the years, this tradition of saying, based on the 13 attributes of God, carried weight enough for us to keep the psalm in our tradition. But the question is, what's the relevance between the confluence of 13 names of God and these 13 attributes? After all, that's cute that 13 appears in both places, but what's the importance? What's the hook? What's the significance? Rabbi David Golinkin inherited a teaching from his father, who in turn learned it from Rabbi Shimshon Raphael Hirsch. He says, the psalm teaches us that what we crave at this season 
in our year is to be present in the house of God always. That I should dwell, that I should sit in God's house all the days of my life. But of course we know that it's not possible. Even the priests didn't spend their whole lives in the temple. They went home. So what does it mean living all of our days in the house of God? It means that we create in each of the environments in which we make ourselves home, whether that's our home home or our spiritual home or other communities that are home to us, when we act in emulation of God, when we become mirrors of God's 13 attributes, when just as God, we are merciful, when just as God, we are patient, then what we make in the place in which we dwell is a Beit Hashem. We make a house of God. So the challenge that Psalm 27 gives us for this season is to take these attributes that we're asking help in God's judgment over us in this season and see if it's possible to live life like a mirror to the heavens, to take on these attributes, to utilize them in our tshuva process, in our process of apology and of accepting apology, and to live out every space that we're in with as many of these attributes as possible, such that it's not just the places that we might think to call the house of God that are the house of God, but rather every place in which we dwell becomes sacred, gets added sanctity by the way that we act, by being mensches, by being kind, and by being like God. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.